1: Conversation, Reparations, Conversation, Reparations. We are here again to bring you another installment of Conversation, Reparations. Conversation, Reparations is brought to you by INCOBRA, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America, coming to you on the first and third Monday of each month. And my name is Brother Jumoke Ife Tayo. I've Currently serve as the Southeast Regional Representative of Encobra, and the host of this podcast. You can find out more about Encobra at encobraonline.org. Encobraonline.org, and find out what we're doing and some of the history of Encobra. Today we're excited, and you know, it's funny I was thinking about that because I say that every time, but today I really am, and I guess another show that really was too. But we we are um, profoundly, um, what should I say, in a positive space. How about that? We'll say it a little differently. In thinking about the show that we're going to be doing today, we're going to be looking at the founding of Encobra. what were the different elements and organizations and groups and thinking and context that brought Encobra into existence. And so we, uh, we have two very powerful guests to help to navigate that conversation, um, Brother Watella, as well as uh, Sister Nkichi Taifa, who's emerging as a reparations superstar in our movement right now. And so we, 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 we will begin, as we have begun this uh, lately in our shows, by giving you some reparations updates. As we said, there's so much... Happening now in the reparations movement, that we felt that it was that we wanted to add this segment to the show, just to give you some ideas of some of the different things that's happening in the reparations movement. So one of the things that uh, we've we've talked about on this show is how different cities have been uh, looking at creating reparations commissions, and so we have another city to join that uh, list. Um, Greenbelt, Maryland, Uh, Greenbelt Mayor Colin Byrd proposed a ballot referendum that asked voters that the city should create a commission to study the feasibility of paying reparations to african American and Native American residents. The federal government built Greenbelt, Maryland, for three reasons, to put people to work, to provide affordable housing, and to be an experiment in modern town planning. The city forged out of Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal in the 1930s was supposed to serve as a demonstration of successful suburban living. But when the first homes opened to the public, one group was excluded, black people. There's this tendency, I'm sorry, this is a quote, quote, there's this tendency to talk about Greenbelt as a utopia, unquote. Greenbelt Museum Director Megan Searing Young said, quote, but it tends to get glossed over what is not open to everyone. It is only utopia if you were a white family. Close quote. Now almost a century later, Greenbelt's inception, the city will vote on the issue of reparations, a form of compensation, a form of compensation for historical wrongs and loss caused by slavery, segregation, stolen land, housing, discrimination. On August ninth, Greenbelt City Council approved placing a referendum on the November ballot that will ask voters if the city should create a commission to study whether and how the city should pay reparations to its African American and Native American residents. Greenbelt has changed quite a bit since its inception. In the late 1960s, black families started moving into the city, about 12 miles northeast of the nation's capital. The city, which is in Prince George's County, now is home to about 23,000 residents nearly 47% of whom identify as black or African-American, according to the census data. Mayor Colin Byrd, who proposed a referendum, said that because Greenbelt was created by the federal government, its history is uniquely intertwined with the history of the country. Quote, from the early days of Greenbelt, African-Americans were excluded from residency in the city. But in the same time, black workers were heavily involved in helping to literally build the city, close quote, Bird said, quote, that's part of our history, just like slavery is a part of American history more broadly. And my view is that we should address that history, confront that history, reconcile that history, and address the related intergenerational r- racialized barriers to wealth accumulation that come with that type of complicated history, close quote. The issue of reparations has been raised nationally for decades, asking the federal government not only for financial restitution but also a formal apology for the lasting impacts of slavery. Greenbelt is one of the latest in a wave of local governments discussing reparations and other forms of racial reckoning in the wake of a national movement following the police killing of George Floyd last year in Minneapolis. Oh. And there's more to this article, but I'm, I'm going to stop there. And maybe ask, as um, Greenbelt is right outside of w- of DC, where Watella and Nikichi reside. Did you have any uh, comments or any uh, information you would like to add to that um, Greenbelt referendum? Are you familiar with that, Brother Watella?
2: Greeting greetings,
1: Barbara, uh, uh Jamil K. First of all, thank
2: you for having me on. Uh, to be, uh, yes. I'm very familiar. Well, not very familiar, but I'm, but I'm familiar with the uh, city of Greenbelt. Uh, to be honest with you, and Keechie will have a lot more uh, to say probably on this than I, because I have not, to be honest with you, kept up with that. And I don't want to give, you know, I can't speak on it. Okay. But Green right. is a small community. It's it's a small community, more like a, you know, just a sub- suburb more more than anything else uh, outside of what, what, I mean, outside of the city here. And, it, and it's going to be... Now that you mention that, I'm definitely tomorrow gonna to get on this and see exactly what they are doing. Uh, but as you know, here in D.C. also, I mean, it's been a lot of stir as you mentioned in your opening around the country about this issue. So I like to see what's happening here with Greenbelt Belt. I know D.C. is doing some things
1: also. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so, so will you get rid of the yeah.
3: <laughs> but it's okay, and by the way, oh, how, are really? Greenies, really? how
1: are
3: you? How are you? Are you I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, so Greenbelt is following the pattern of our jurisdictions across the country. Reparations is absolutely and completely an issue whose time has come, and jurisdictions are beginning to see that, and they're beginning to look into their own backyards in terms of uh, uh issues or complicities and i'm uh, trying to seek some accountability for these historic wrongs that have never been um righted i'm i'm very pleased that greenbelt has taken this um, step dc is on the verge of taking this uh, a, a very similar uh, step there's been legislation introduced into the dc city council to establish a, a task force across the country there's task force being formed the u.s conference of mayors have come out in support of um of reparations. I mean, I'm discovering things. I mean, it's it's like it's, you know we are centuries um, past uh, you know um, uh, the abolishment of the enslavement um, era, and we're still uncovering, um, uh, opening up caskets where bodies are buried. I mean, literally, right here and also another suburb with DC and Bethesda. Uh, Maryland, there are uh, 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 almost weekly protests going on with respect to uh, African burial ground that basically has been bulldozed over and um, a parking lot being um, put in its place. I mean, there's so much happening and going on. I was on my morning walk in my neighborhood. I live in a predominantly white neighborhood, I will say that, where it was uncovered that this whole section, Watch, this whole section was with, with, with black people owned this land. And the land really? was taken from us. Yes, we're talking the about FAA, D.C. were taken through eminent domain, specifically for a planned white community to come into existence. Wow. A park, Lafayette Park, a school, Lafayette um, School. And all of this area was black owned land, checking out into Bethesda, Maryland black-owned land. So when yeah, we talk about Greenbelt, Maryland, the other uh, suburban, you know, this was a place where, you know, they said, we'll, we'll put black and well, black out all of this area here. We don't know this history. Our history has been buried, and it's past time that these yeah. caskets be um, opened. So um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I have not heard about Greenbelt in the, ma- in the mass media. I know about it. I mean, um, in fact, uh, uh, Colin Berg You know, reached out to me with respect to this um, bill a number of months ago. Mm -hmm. You know, but I haven't seen it getting the big press like other places like Asheville, um, North Carolina, and, um, you know, many other places across the Mm -hmm. country have been getting ink. And of course, Evanston, Illinois, which um, did far more than just create a commission. They are, or, or, Institute legislation. They actually passed legislation and have have, um, um, delivered the first set of their um, reparations um, for uh, projects that the stakeholders in that jurisdiction have identified. So, again, this issue is, (laughs) it is, (laughs) and you know, it seems to beginning to uh, be at the point where we can start seeing some fruition
1: coming out. Excellent. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of the things that I've been saying about this whole um, grassroots initiative where it's happening, you know, at state level, I mean, at the city level and also at the state level, because I think the state of Maryland also uh, recently attempted to pass a bill, and as many other states, Pennsylvania, New York, Vermont, Illinois, California, Um is that this this momentum is similar to the momentum that happened around Martin King's birthday. You know, we, that's, you know, part of the momentum around his birthday was different states and cities and labor unions and organizations began to declare Martin King's birthday a holiday. Right. And, and that momentum built up to the level where, um, the national had to, um, finally address it and, and, and create a federal holiday for King's birthday. we just, you know, similar to what's happening now when we see, you know, HR 40 getting so much more um, recognition and, and, and moving, moving out of committee for the first time this year. The other thing, uh, I just wanted to bring another new story up um, to really also invite people to, 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 find out more about, which is, this is the 20th anniversary of the passing of the Durban um, declaration and program of action. And there will be uh, a very high level meeting at the United Nations, which will take place on the 22nd of September Mm. as the second day of the Georgia, excuse me, I'm saying Georgia, CGA, the second day of the general assembly at the 76th general debate the General Assembly Hall, which will happen in the United Nations headquarters in New York, and people can watch this meeting. In commemoration of the 20th anniversary of the adoption of the Durban Declaration and Program of Action, the General Assembly is holding a high-level meeting at the level of heads of state and government on the theme, reparations, racial justice, and equality for people of African descent. Mm. Um.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and yeah, well, really I guess we could briefly that... talk about the, the declaration and the significance of it. We've done whole shows just focusing on that on, on Durban. Um we could just I guess briefly we could talk about that. I don't know. Did you all go to Durban? I, I did not attend the meeting in Durban.
3: I was in Durban in spirit. In spirit,
1: <laughs> in spirit <laughs> I in okay, first, I can claim I was that there too. In, in spirit.
3: But one of the main things that well, and Copa was there in force, I will say that.
1: You but know, one definitely
3: of the main things, definitely um to the, one of the main things to come out of Durban that uh must be shouted from the mountaintop time after time after time is that the, the, the transatlantic slave trade and enslavement was was designated as a crime against humanity and it was and should always have been so it's okay yeah uh, and that was major. Yeah, so I just wanted to recognize that. Watch out Yeah, and I just wanted to
2: add that uh, following that conference, uh, it was so important, as is pointing out, uh, we had a major town hall meeting right here in D.C. the same month, uh, well, September 21st. Uh, Like surrounding that conference, we used that issue uh, to help organize and and bring organization together. And following that, uh, there was a follow-up conference conference in Barbados that encoll right. between Mother Dorothy, uh, Kabibi, myself, uh, the current co-chair, um, Mama uh, Mama Mashiuriki. Ma, 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 ma she was there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, no, a, a lot came conference. out of
2: that. Operation was a big part of that conference. It was a very very big part of that conference. Mm-hmm
3: and you know it's interesting also is that the um, the Durban conference um, World Conference against Racism really did not get a lot of coverage after it was over because it was came right smack just before right at the same time of 9 9 one happened and right, exactly. everything all the media associated with anything other than 9 was totally and completely shut down. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to
1: um,
3: give that historical context as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking to, bring, to add that in as well. And, you know, the importance of the – there was a lot of organizing that went around that declaration, the the statement that you made earlier. Uh, in Kichi around slavery being um, declared a crime against humanity and always has and always has been. That's right. And that particular, there was a whole organizing campaign just to get those specific words into the declaration. And there was pre pre meetings that happened in central and South America, in Africa, in, in Europe and Asia. And, and at those pre meetings, um, People were um, leaders uh, of the reparations movement, uh, in COBRA, December 12th movement, and um, National Black United Front, and others, you know, made sure that they were at those meetings to, ha- to raise that conversation, to get that specific language in-, in that document, and they were successful in getting that language. And also, I think that just as a last update, I mean, well, somebody else can, you know, have something Bernie, if you want to say before we get into uh, our main topic. I think it's significant is that the United States actually pulled out of that conference um, and and was saying that the conference shifted to anti-Semitism and that was the excuse that they used. And so they actually um, pulled out. Actually, it was a debate whether or not they were going to send a high-level delegation or a low-level delegation. I, they kind of ended up sending a, a low-level delegation, from what I understand. But, but more importantly, like I said, they pulled out of that. And then in a, the follow-up meetings, just like this is a follow-up one, there, there has been several follow-up ones, the 10th anniversary, and there have been several follow-ups. Um, and, and, and one of the follow-up ones is with President um, Barack Obama, um, was president, and he actually um, participated in the boycott of the United States uh, and other countries not attending it. And and there's even um, right now, I understand that the United States is boycotting and not, not planning on attending this, um, what they're calling Durban 4 uh, gathering, which will be on September 22nd. So, um, and again, they're using the same conversation, saying that it, it, it's anti-Semitism and and um, uh, all of that that, that um, food issues, which is all a whole other conversation. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right.
3: Well, folk need to be boycotting things that are anti-black. I mean, you know, the U.S. song, yes. anti- you know, okay. all, all this stuff that's going on in this country right now is anti-black. And voter suppression—that's anti-black. I mean, mass incarceration—that's yes, anti-black. I mean, this for 40 yeah, minutes, Critical
1: guys, race theory. That's
3: anti. All of that, right. So if folks want to um, protest something that's anti-something, they don't have to look past the borders of this country. Yes,
1: yeah, yes. Yeah. All right. So I um, wanted to shift now and and begin to unpack the um, forming of INCOBRA. Um, one. One of the things that we know is during the time, um, well, there were several factors, I think, that we could say that that um, uh, colluded, that came together to, to create the formation of Encobra at the time that it came together. And one of those things, one of those factors was the, the fact that the Japanese um, uh, Americans who were in internment camps were receiving uh, reparations around that time. Which um, no. our reparations conversations in the Black community. Mm. Um, you wanted to say something
3: on that, Mama? Yeah, I was just going to backtrack this a bit, if I may. And COBRA was formed before the um, passage of the Japanese American um, Redress Bill. And Cobra was formed in 1987. That was during the time the Japanese American Bill was being discussed and debated. You know, you know, hearings held and all like that. But the the, the Civil mm-hmm. Liberties Act was. Um, Passed in uh, 1988. And then COVID Pro- was formed right. in 1987. And then COVID was formed specifically out of a, um, well, one of its genesis. Well, first of all, just about any group that was about anything in the Black struggle had reparations as part of their platform. You know, it was part of the Civil Program of the Black Panther Party, part of the Nation of platform, part of the Provisional Government of the Republican. Africa, all of the groups out there. The Dorothy e. Lewis' Black Reparations Commission, the African People's Socialist Party, had their AMBO, their African National Reparations Organization, um, National Black United Front. I mean, it, it Martin Luther King and, it, and James Forman in the Civil Rights Movement, you know, it, it were talking about, um, you know, reparations. And, you know, it, so it wasn't something that just dropped from uh the sky and all of that came from earlier through Queen Mother Moore and before that to Marcus Garvey and Queen Mother Moore was with uh, Garvey and then before that Callie House and Isaiah Dickinson with the uh, mm-hmm. uh, ex slave mutual um, bounty and pension association and before that Belinda Boyle. I mean I'm just saying it's just been a long line and long chain of um, uh reparations advocacy. But in 1987, the National Conference of Black Lawyers brought together uh, 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 w- 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 at a conference, a convening in Massachusetts at Harvard, and they They're invited, Harvard, cool. they about specifically, Ajua Toro, who was, I think she might have been national director of NCBL at that time, invited um, Brother Imari Obadeli, President of the Republic of New Africa. Brother Chokwe Lumumba with the New African People's Organization, and myself, Nikichi Taiba, to um, submit papers and to be on a panel along with um, economist Richard America to discuss the issue as to whether a constitutional amendment was needed to effectuate reparations for black people in the United States. And um, mm-hmm. Brother Imai Chokwe and myself, um, we, uh, we all came to the same conclusion no. We don't need a constitutional uh, amendment. Everything is already there to support a uh, legitimate claim uh, of reparations. And we published a small book in 1987 at that time called Reparations, Yes, the Legal and Political Reasons Why you yes. him yeah. to be paid for the, oh, I forgot a long title, for the enslavement of our ancestors and for war against us, something like that. Um, so That's it. Mm-hmm. on the heels of that, uh, Bobby Moy issued a call to all reparations-loving people across the country to come to D.C. on September 26th to see if we could um, uh, talk about what the next stage will be in terms of reparations advocacy uh, for the black nation. And it, this was, uh, uh, the conference wasn't just about reparations, it was also about building a black foreign policy. Okay, so it was those twin issues, but so reparations kind of took over that uh, meeting. And there were folks, I mean, I, it would be great. Well, Ella, you should let me know if you've ever seen the um, roster from that meeting I mean, with respect to exactly who all was there. Um, but there were people from across the black nation with different ideologies and different thinking on sort of things. And uh, what the agreement came was that, we will have a not a black led organization, a black organization, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. We're very, very specific. And the goal was to um, uh, public education, to spread the word, to, to seek to mainstream the movement. And this was very critical because at that time, reparations was primarily in the realm of the Black Nationalist community. Different aspects of the Black Nationalist community, but basically with the Black Nationalist uh, uh, community. But with the uh, participation of NCBL, National Conference of Black Lawyers, it had already expanded to, like, the Black legal community, Black legal radical community, you know, shall we say. And Mm -hmm. the... Independent-minded people who came out of the New African independence movement, of which I was one, agreed, or actually not just agreed, decided to supplement our independence politics to allow for a broader um, uh, participation, shall we say, of people who weren't necessarily interested in five states in the deep south or, you know, independence, etc., etc., but to um I think to have a much larger common denominator. And that is what the thrust of Incobo was to bring in the sororities and fraternity, to bring in the churches and the religious groups and the faith organizations, the labor unions, the civil rights organizations, the masses of the black community, uh uh to advocate for this issue of reparations. So I'm gonna turn it over to by the Watella, right now because Watella <laughs> serves as a national co-chair, male co-chair, uh, up in Cobra during um, some critical phases of this early development. So, Watella, let me just kind of turn it over to you now.
2: Well, and Keech, Mom, and Keech, you, you were there and I really appreciate you laying this out. I mean, because you really, uh, uh, you know, I cannot speak on that very beginning. I mean, my notes, all I have come from people like yourself, uh, and it's pretty, and everything you've said is in line with that. I just normally, I, like my writing's pretty much started with, in Cobra organizing meetings here in DC. But I, but I, but I'm aware of the harbor meeting. I don't know, all, I don't know all the details of what went into it. But uh, thank you though for laying that out because it, it, I mean, it gives me more details to look at, and perhaps if I can find more on that particular meeting, who was there, and and if we can find other than the book, but I've seen the book that you was mentioning. I, I've seen that. I've read that, but it was like 20 years ago. And, uh, but that, that should be included. Like you said, you know, really, really included in, in Cobra history where you just laid it out where it's not just, uh, the RNA coming together, uh, but it was like you said, a broader. Now, I, of course the black lawyer was there, but a lot of people I think kind of seeing Cobra as just being RNA and and as you just laid out, it didn't even—I mean, it—it was—it—it it, it didn't come together in, in Cobra as just a black nationalist organization. And I think is that over the years that has been one of the issues in the organization that we have struggled with. And and I, and that and I, in fact I really see this as the strength of In Cobra over many of the other organizations is that it was founded as a broad base. It wasn't just a black nationalist or just you know, I mean, it was for everybody. And Mama Jo Neely, she always emphasized that, reaching out to the churches and various organizations. And I think even today, this could be one of Cobra's strongest strengths. I remember, I think it was back in 2004, at the organization's leadership, uh, Roundtable Leadership Conference, I think it was the name of it, at Howard University, helped, we brought like about 20 organizations together and, and uh, put the agenda together for that year. And these organizations, just as you just mentioned, these was various organizations. It wasn't just the black nations there, civil rights organization was there, and I think that's a very important point that CObra needs to continue to build on. The period that I was most active was two thousand to about two thousand seven and uh and we built and and we worked to do exactly that uh that period, I think was when of incobra i mean I can't speak of the earlier period because I wasn't there. you will have to speak to that. But during that period for me, I saw that as perhaps a very strong period of NCOBRA because uh, you know you had like the Million Man March anniversary that was going on, you had Conrad, you had D12, so many different organizations that Encobra was working with, uh, pulling together forms around the country, organizing the chapters. With, uh, uh, they were developing around the country strongly. It wasn't just a central body. And uh, I just think that that was a very good period. And as you know, we were on the Hill. Uh, John Cony was holding meetings. And by the way, uh, uh, like a, uh brother just mentioned, um, how that Dr. King's birthday resembles similar to what's happening now with H.R. 40. This statement was made by, uh, by John Kanye to us during our lobbying efforts back in the 2000s in his office. He, he reminded us how, when he first put out, I mean, when he first started working for Dr. King's holiday, how everybody just looked at you know they didn't pay any attention to it. they thought it was a bad idea but 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 he pointed out once it became clear it was going to happen, everybody jumped on board. He said I mean, I mean he was like saying that get almost had to push people out of the picture, trying to pretend that they had been there all alone so that and and i and I would assume that some of the same things are going to happen now as the reparation movement moved forward but uh I mean other yeah. i mean I, I'd like to raise the, some of the people, though, I mean, Baba Kalanji, uh, the first uh, national co chair, along with uh, uh, Ojwa. So, I mean, these people, uh, Baba Kalanji is an ancestor now, all the work that he has done, Queen Mother Dorothy Lewis. Uh, I think these people's yeah. names should be raised, uh, along with Baba Hannibal, who was passed, and of, of course, Baba uh, Lakimari. Like uh, you know, I, I know that we do raise their name, but I just definitely want to raise their name in this program.
3: I said, well,
2: well,
1: thank you. While we're on that note, I just wanted to. Um, I, I happened to pull up before the show, I, I grabbed the uh, book that the DC uh, chapter put together. And in that book, there's a, very, there's a timeline around the formation of Encobra, And the first entry talks about some of those people that you all both have mentioned. Says August 21st, 1987, Imario Videli issues a call to more than 25 organizations and individuals to come to Washington <clears throat> D.C. to develop a definitive campaign for reparations for blacks in the United States. Participants invited to those meetings included James Turner, chair and founder of the Department of African Studies, Cornell University; Sonia Sanchez; Dorothy Benton Lewis, founder of Black Reparations Commission; Omali Yetzatella. African People's Socialist Party, Chokwe Lumumba and Ahmed Obafemi from New African People's Organization, Sylvia Hill, and okay. Gay McDougal from the South African Support Network, Abu Daika, also known as Sunny Carson, Haywood Burns, Abu Badika, thank you, Abu Badika, National Council of Black Lawyers, uh, Omar Wally Satterwhite, the Community Development Institute of Palo Alto, California, and Kiki Taifa, Dr. Manny Marable, uh, Baba Askia Ture, uh, da, um, Dr. Ron Walters, Ajua Ayaturo, Bobby Seal, Ilombe Brace, Patrice Lumumba Coalition, State Senator Henry Kersky, and Nzinga Warfield Kopik, um, Vincent Goodwin, better known as Kalanji Olusegu, who chaired the Five organizing meetings so, yeah, wow those were, um, yeah. I, which, some which, of the people which that were one invited
3: which one was that in to... because hmm? that that's some great history that brought back some nostalgia oh
1: this is this is one of the best resource books on the reparations movement right here it's called Black Reparations African Slavery and Its Vestiges, A Crime Against oh, Humanity by yeah, the, little it's small the book. Washington yeah. D.C. chapter yeah
3: yeah the hmm? little small book yeah
1: Right.
3: Okay, yeah, that's some great history. We need to really
1: yeah.
3: get this out there. Now, not all those people were at that first meeting. These were the people who were sure. invited. Yeah.
1: That's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. And our first, their first organizing meeting was held in D.C. Uh, you mentioned September 26, 1987, after the September 11th, interesting, uh, 1987 meeting, um, that was that was the National Conference of Black Lawyers, which was at Harvard Law School. And then November 8th, 1987, was the second uh, second organizing meeting held in D.C. at the headquarters of the Majestic Eagles. January 16th, the third organizing meeting held in Jamaica, Queens. February 27th, 1988, was the fourth organizing meeting held in D.C. when the name, the National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America, is actually just, was formed the fifth organizing meeting was held in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania 1989 Articles of Incorporation and Bylaws approved by the organizing committee April 8, 1989 and Cobra Town Hall meeting held at Frank Reeves Center in Washington speakers included Senator Bill Owens of Michigan Kalanji Olushegu President Mario Badelli, Ajua June, 1989. Yeah,
3: McCullough before you go on, I... Wait I'm Hold sorry, on. go ahead. Yeah, before you go on, we really... We, I remember, I have portions of a vi- videotape from that meeting at the really? business center. And we really need to get with Brother General Vachee, because I know he has tapes of all of these things. Because my tapes, everything is like... um, um, You know, it's not good. What year was that again? The
1: the, one. the 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 town hall meeting
3: whatever it was, what over was what?
1: 1989 yeah. April, eight. Yeah, it April 8th yeah April 8th 1989 was the first okay. town hall meeting yeah,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. people it's just nostalgia
1: hearing all this oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was going to end you. sure I was going to end with um July 8th, 1989, Incobra convenes a public meeting at the Reeves Center in Washington, D.C. to discuss and respond to Congressman Conyers' request. And then and then, actually the book kind of jumps from 1988 to 2001 and comes up to 2001 and talks about some of the different um, campaigns and things that Incobra has been involved in over the years.
3: But, you know, this um, interesting. You said it jumped from the end of 1989 to the 2000s. There were some key, key things that happened in that interim period. I'm not quite sure why it's not in there. Well, I, was- I, I,
1: I'm sorry. I shouldn't say jump. That's not quite accurate. It has, it has 1988 through 2001. It has November 20th, 1989, is when Congress when Congress introduced H.R. 40. Um, June 1990, first in Cobra Annual Reparations Conference held at Howard University. Um, September 1990, Nkichi Taifa, chair of the D.C. chapter of NCBL, uh, requests the D.C. Council to issue a resolution in support of reparations to the Honorable Wilhelmina Roland, chair of the Judiciary Committee. Uh, February 1997, Washington, D.C. and Cobra Chapter organized a reparations awareness campaign that resulted in two more congressional co-sponsors of H.R. 40. June 2000, Washington, D.C. and Cobra Chapter host another annual Cobra Reparations Conference. I think I attended that one. I think Randall Robinson spoke at that one. Uh, it's September 21st, 2001, Washington DC and Cobra host a town hall meeting to celebrating Cobra's successful lobbying efforts during the World Conference Against Racism in Durban. So it kind of brings us back full circle. And that's the last entry in this um, in this book. Oh, uh, brother
0: Jamoke, we no, need no, to take
1: our, our station there. ID.
3: That whole I'm sorry. Yeah, we need we didn't take a
1: break. Yeah, we need to take a, uh, uh, yeah, oh. to take a, a quick station break. Go okay. ahead, um, Scotty.
0: You are tuned in to the black talk radio network for podcasts and live program scheduling. Visit us on the web at black radio All right,
1: we're back with conversation reparations. We have as our guest, uh, sister attorney, Kiki Taifa, as well as, um, brother, Watella, um, and we were discussing um, the founding of INCOBRA, in- the early um, period of INCOBRA. Uh,
3: so to... I just want to say that. I just want to add. I just want to make sure this is not forgotten. But between 1990 and 2001, INCOBRA, well, I know this. what you were reading was just dealing with D.C., but INCOBRA organized so many different jurisdictions to adopt of that resolutions in support of HR40 all across the country, people think that what they're hearing about today in terms of the state of California and all the different, right. different council of and all the different city councils are new. Now, many of these same jurisdictions pass resolutions through their, their local city council legislators in support of HR40, the commission to study at, uh, you know reparation proposals like John Conyers. It's all over the uh, California state right now. That, you know, just about every jurisdiction in California passed a resolution back then uh, between 1990 mm. and 2000 in support of reparations. So in mm. Jefferson, Illinois, that didn't just drop from the sky with what right. Alderman Bobby Booth Simmons just did. Um, Councilman Lionel John-Baptiste.
1: John-Baptiste, right. In
3: 2000, mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, engineered a reparations resolution through the Evanston, Illinois, um, you know, city council. So, I mean, I'm just saying that's
1: right. We have passed Canada one in Atlanta, maybe over 60 yeah. cities. I think I passed, uh, you think just jurisdiction that yeah. passed cities have passed um, resolutions. Um, we have passed one in Atlanta. Many other, many, yeah. many other cities have passed hey, that Jamal resolution. Mm-hmm.
0: Brother Jamal Kay. Yes, sir. Yeah. This is Scotty. Um, the system mentioned California and I just wanted to briefly mention that I forget what's the governor's name, Newsome, that he has support yes, yes. yeah, he has supported uh some of the reparations legislation that's being debated in the state government. I believe uh Brother Jamoke, you interviewed somebody, you know, from California that was involved that is involved in all of that. But I just wanna point out that That'll that um, a big part of that recall effort by conservatives was because of him supporting reparations, and then, for the leading Republican candidate, Larry, I think what is it, Larry Elder, who was born in l a the black right. conservative radio host, and he come out talking about reparations need to be paid to the slavers and I was like, "Oh my God, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that that I'm glad you know that he survived that recall effort. I don't know that much about him." And you know the internal things that's going on in California. We know a lot of things need to be changed, but it was good to see you know that that reparations effort is still going to survive in California with him not being recalled. Yeah, it it
1: was. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, interesting is when I when I was looking for reparations news articles for the show today, most of the um, the. Most of the articles that came up were about Larry Elder talking about um, talking about slave owners needing to be compensated uh, reparations. Uh, This is interesting, you know, how we go through these waves when you know they know that we're winning, so now they have to have to begin to counter, you know, some of the um, victory and momentum that we were having. Another one of the major articles that came up also was about. You know what we talked about Durban, but there was there was more negative press about Durban. I had to go to that UN website to get you know um, something more generic about what was happening with the 20, 20th anniversary, because most of the other stories was Fox News and other people um, speaking negatively about the um, 20th anniversary of Durban, and um, so yeah. So Yeah, Larry Elder. I think he wasn't he on the also on the um on the panel uh, at the hearing on, on reparations. I think he was one of those one of the speakers representing Republicans.
0: I don't think he was. Huh? He, I may be I wrong, so. but I don't think he was. I do know, you know, yeah. Candace <laughs> Owens was on there talking that mess but I tell you you know that's how racism works they I call it proxy racism when they'll find a black person that they can pay off and then you know put their words in that black person's mouth that's all elder and owens and and those conservatives that's against the reparation movement that's all they are they're just paid mouthpieces for white supremacy that's
1: right mm-hmm. yeah. so I, I remember recently, um, Sister Kitchen, you were sharing with us about one of the more lively meetings that was held around the whole, I guess, debate of, uh, reparations through HR 40 versus reparations through, uh, self determination and independence.
3: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we, we're not a monolithic community. I mean, uh, there always was different, um, Um, directions as to where we could go as a people. Independence, integration, repatriation, I mean, it always was there. And there were quite a number of people who said, we don't need a study. We don't need a bill to study the issue. We need to demand our independence. You you know what I'm saying? We don't need to study uh, this issue. Um, Those were some of the the debates and the discussions that were going on, um, uh, you know, at the time. And what the, the what won out though was that look, the Japanese Americans were just successful in their quest for reparations. They did it through first establishing a commission to study the issue and make recommendations, and then those recommendations uh, were enacted by Congress. We felt that if we followed the same route that the Japanese Americans. Um, It would be sheer racism for the country to deny um, our claim, And so, as I said, people in the New African Independence Movement and the like supplemented the independence politics and went along with that approach. Now, here we are over 30 years later. We still don't have the bill, okay? But what we do have is we have a groundswell of people from all parts of the black community talking about the issue of reparations. We have white mm-hmm. allies talking about the issue of, of reparations. We have civil rights organizations. We have civil liberties organizations. We have human rights organizations. We have cities and states and jurisdictions and royalties and fraternities and church organizations. I mean, I'm just saying. we Colleges and universities. Very successful. Colleges and universities. We have Ben and Jerry's ice cream corporations. And ben and Jerry's ice
1: cream, okay. that's right. The National <laughs> you know, Education Association.
3: Exactly. And a lot of that is due to the uh, consistent work that INCOBRA has been about throughout the decades, uncompensated work, might I add. There were no salary positions or anything along those lines, okay? That's this right. was on-the-ground, right, grassroots work in advocacy, uh, but also working with folks on the hill. We work very, very closely with Congressman Donny Connors all the way up to um, the time of his passing, all the way up to uh, him passing the torch to Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. And we're still mm-hmm. working very closely with um, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. In fact, we have meetings once a week uh, with um, uh, organizations and with, um, you know, the, the Congresswoman and staffers and, and the like with respect to moving the needle forward. Uh, further on on the team. So what we have become and COVID has accomplished one of the key parts of its goal was to seek to mainstream uh, the reparations uh, movement. And now we're at the point where it needs to be actualized.
1: All right, brother Watella, what say you how we have um, moved the reparations conversation forward. Uh,
2: uh, like I'm very very proud of what Encobra has done. I'm I'm proud that I that I that I served to help uh, you know, for about seven years on like on the board. And I feel that again, like I mentioned earlier, how Encobra's position I think is one of the best ones in the movement. And Encobra outreach work, well, and in teachers saying that I come Queen Mother Dorothy saying that one of the main goals they said in the beginning was just to make reparation a household word, a household discussion. And I remember Baba Kalanji saying to me before he passed how that, that like, NCOBA had, had achieved its initial mission, and that was to bring it to the public and to get the grassroots people involved. So NCOBA, I mean, I have profound respect for NCOBA's work. Uh, now, and I see some of the books. I want to mention this book of. Uh, uh, what is that? Uh, from here to equality, I think is one of the books. I mean, it can kind of serve as an educational tool that I think is very helpful for the movement. I just want to put a word out for that book because it gives uh, justification. I feel, and I don't want to nitpick. I'm not saying I agree with everything in the book, but as far as having a, a large body of work to draw from to uh, to argue why reparation is due to us. I think this is a very, very helpful tool. And uh, I think in COBRA should use it. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, COBRA literature, uh, the book of COBRA history that COBRA has put out, I think it would be good for the organization to put these publications back out. and Hannibal, Queen Mother Dorothy, uh, Bobby Mari, Sister Kichi, all these works that are in COBRA works, And I think it would be good for the public to be able to have these works in their hands as they argue, argue, argue for our position.
3: So, I want to just say two things, if I may. Um, there's one huge flaw in from, well, there are a number of them, but from in from here to eternity. But one is with, it mentions in COBRA, but, but it doesn't tell about any of this history. Okay? It that's doesn't right. really, it, 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 it kind of like ignores the role that the grassroots organization, the main right. one, primary one in the 20th century, um, waged with respect to bringing reparations to where it is. So I mean, so I think that it, 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 it is a point of view that is that has neglected, you know, the whole um, um, uh, the whole advocacy of this organization. Recall, but that's number one. And Number two, one of the things I want to say: the book that Buddy Maurice Silkway, who later became mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, and myself, Nikiki, uh authored reparations. Yes. Published over forty years ago, turned up on the Central York, Pennsylvania school board list of banned book. Earlier this book was banned. Uh, okay, along with Ibrahim Kendi's work, along with some book called My Name Is Rosa Parks, along with a Zinco Symbol's book, along with the book about why all the. Black children sitting together in the in in, in in the cafeteria. It was ridiculous. They just wholesale banned anything that was presented to them that was written by a black authors. And yeah, my book this this book will be coming back out. Um, right. and, and right. I have a, a, a work that on reparations. that will be coming out early next year. And in the appendix will be um, you know this book as well. So you know they. Ban this book. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. uh Why is it that you can't learn about reparations? Why is that something? Why is that an issue that should be banned? You know, you need to speak out against that.
2: Well, as you know, criminals criminals normally want to hide their crime. I mean, this whole thing of not being able to teach what they're calling, you know, critical race theory, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, you know. And that, and, and I saw your your PA uh, position. It's just, just I mean, it's doing the same thing. It, it's plugging into that right wing extreme position. Or we don't want to talk about our sins. We don't. We don't want nobody to discuss our sins. And it's shameful. It's shameful that they would publicly do these things. You
1: know. Yeah. Well, I, I just wanted to add to the conversation around Brooks. You know, unfortunately. To me the best books that I've read on reparations and I've read some of the mainstream ones as well as others are the ones that were self published in by people and in Cobra. Um, we've talked about the book Reparations Yes. Other book is uh, another book would be the Forty Acres Documents. Um to me this is a classic book that every every anybody that's into reparations need to read. Uh, the book that I was referring to, where I read the timeline from, which is Black Reparations book, um, produced by the Washington D.C. Collective. Um, this is this is a this is a great great work on reparations. The two books that Mama Queen Mother Dorothy Benson Lewis wrote uh, around reparations, and the other one around faith and reparations. Both of those books are just uh, are, are, are phenomenal. It's unfortunate, we, you know, we have to figure out. Uh, You know, maybe one of the things that we can do now that we have a little bit of funds is to figure out how to get some of these books uh, republished uh, and get them back out because these these
3: books hold very very critical information
1: and analysis of the reparation movement that needs to be out there. Go ahead.
3: There are key key, um, historical videotapes out there as well. I mean, Queen Mother Moore was at many of our conferences. You know, I mean, we have the historic footage that needs to be out there. This one conference in Detroit where um, Queen Mother Moore and Rosa Parks were there, and I know exactly when it was when it was, it was 1994 because my daughter was born, and I got a picture of my daughter in the lap of both Rosa Parks and Queen Mother Moore. You <laughs> know, and that was the October
2: convention. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I would like to add to this list, I mean, then I think the very important book that was written by Bob Hannibal, uh, the Handbook for Reparations Now, is a little small green pamphlet, very good book. Mm -hmm. And and on the Mm -hmm. idea of uh, republishing these works, like you stated, they are self-published works. This is not hard to do. I would be more than glad if N'Cobra would accept the project of collecting these videos, collecting these books and, and making them available to the public. I mean, as you all know, I work with the information and media. In fact, I was, I was the chair, co-chair of the information and media for about seven years there uh, on the board. I'll be one glad to try to help pull together those work. And then want wanted to make the project and finance it. And I'm talking on a small budget. I don't need a lot of money. I just need a small budget just for the printing, publication, and put it back out to the public. So maybe perhaps sure uh, I- Jamal If you can put that to the board, if you didn't have the funds to do it, I think we
1: should put the books back out. I'd be happy to do that. (laughs) Yeah, so we're we're coming to the close of the show. Um, We hope that you have been uh, edified, that you have learned some things about in that you may not have known. Uh, We we strive to talk about things in the news, and we – in each month, as well as focusing on some of the works of Encobra, and I was just thinking about this being the anniversary date of that first meeting, September 26th, That this would be a good time to reflect on the founding of Encobra. Um, I just like to go to my speakers and see what closing remarks you would like to have, and maybe you can start us off, Brother Watella, and then we'll go to Sister Kichi. Thank you well
2: first of all i'd just like to say thank you for having me here on this uh pro- program and I, and again i, I just applaud the work in cobra have done and i think that the movement where we are right now uh i think that of course the founding members the ancestors have gone on they'll be very very proud of the work that you all are doing now in cobra or that we have done and i think that the grassroots that in cobra should not of course and it will not lose its focus on educating the grassroots about the issue, because in the final analysis, as we wrote in the book 20 years ago, if the grassroots are not prepared to 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 uh, to make a proper demand, they will hand us anything. We have to educate the masses. Can't just be just elected people. So, NCOBRA has done a wonderful job, and we need to continue our grassroots work in educating the masses. So, okay. So. <laughs> Thank
3: you okay, so yes, I want to also thank you very much, Brother Jamoke, for bringing us together uh, for this. It's great hearing from Brother Watella as well. I would just like to close by saying that we are history in the making right here, right mm-hmm. now, today. Right. And I am very proud to have been part of planting seeds for trees that are beginning to sprout and bloom and blossom right now. Reparations, an issue whose time has come. We can't wait no longer. Let's bring it on. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. I am say. Yeah, and uh, I thank both of you all for coming on the show, so that we could even make this happen today and your contributions to the show um, I don't know if you heard me if you were on when I introduced you Mama and Kichi as a uh, one of our reparations superstars. <laughs> and I know like, you've been <laughs> yeah, true, true. you got okay. increasingly busy in the movement with your with your book and just you've always been very busy but I think yeah, it seems like you I noticed you seem to be speaking even more and more. Um, and and so I, I thank you for your time and honoring us with, with coming on this show and um giving us some of some of the critical um, foundational history of encobra right. and um so you've been listening to conversation reparations conversation reparations conversation reparations hosted by brother jimoke pichayo you can find this show is put together by encobra sponsored by encobra the national coalition of Blacks for reparations in america if you would like to get more information about Encobra, you can go to our website at EncobraOnline.org Incobraonline.org. We are also on your social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at National InCobra. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with me directly of, about a reparations show or idea of speaking, you can reach me at ReparationsJ that's Reparations, the letter J, at gmail.com I want to thank my engineer, Brother Scotty Reed, for doing the behind-the-scenes work to pull off these shows each and every Monday, each first and third Monday, and um, you can listen to Reparations. Conversation Reparations <laughs>